You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. My name is Randall White. Night workers and shift workers are an invisible driver of our city's economies. Night shift workers are also an often vulnerable segment of our society. Let's talk about that precarity with Dr. Julius Caesar McQuarrie with the Night Workshop Project. We'll learn about immigrant or migrant workers and the night, and Dr. McQuarrie's Night Worker Charter, which we hope you will sign. Here are 24 Minutes with Julius Caesar McQuarrie. Hello, Randall. Thank you very much for the uh, invitation. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be uh, part of the 24-Hour Nation uh, 24 Minutes podcast. And by way of introduction, I would like to start with an anecdote and an interesting fact. In a personal letter dated February 1970 to Professor Will Straw, I guess one of your, your uh, guests as well uh, at McGill University is the author of Media and the Night. Someone signed uh, the letter as the leader of night people in Buffalo. This person's name is Kevin O'Connell from then Radio Buffalo, the McLendon stations. He wrote to Will that the night people are those that dig what's happening and are not afraid to show their enthusiasm. Welcome aboard. Mm. Well, I like that description. I said, this just fits me. And hence I thought, as a night ethnographer, this is my bona fide. This is what's real about my work. You know, I'm what's written on the label. I'm a nocturnal anthropologist. And that leads me to the interesting fact that when I was studying in London between 2010, 2012, I was associated with University College London and I was supervised by Professor Herd Isings, a Dutch anthropologist at UCL School of Slavonic and East European Studies. It was then when I began researching vulnerable and marginalized Romanian migrant night workers in London's nighttime economy. In 2015, I uh, returned to, to London to my, do my doctoral field work and I, I worked at night. I lived during the day. Uh, with uh, migrants in a neglected house, you know, taking the migrants' uh, journey, really. And this topic of my research basically relates to one of the most fundamental forms of work, which is feeding a nation. Food production, processing, distribution, consumption is a 24-7 activity, but um, the loading and, you know, production and delivery of food in supermarkets, it all happens at night, and it's invisible. Night work is mostly done by migrants. And this is one of the important aspects in my work. Another element is my formation as a, a night ethnographer and migration scholar is, is linked to my own migratory uh, migration experience. Being a long-term migrant in Britain has not only made me curious and interested in migration-related uh, issues, but also my night ethnography methodology. I built up the researcher's night workshop methodology and, and that's uh, uh, is the spine uh, of my research. So that is because in a world where millions of people work in uh, the night shift uh, and also they work abroad in societies that run 24-7, they settle then. Um, and, and so I began questioning about this, this uh, dynamics and, and, uh, and phenomena. And this is where my, say, migratory experience together with this anti-nomad uh, rhetorics, migrant sentiments, anti-sentiments by locals in the UK government, tabloid media, made me more curious about this national order of things that shapes the immigration agenda in countries like Britain. So I've been asking why migrants, otherwise invisible to the public eye, are represented either as villains or, or, or thieves. And I've learned a couple of things about this segment in our societies who experience this kind of structure of rejection. 
those who are misrepresented and end up working dark in the dark hours of the night, they, they gain invisibility. So that's one of the reasons why this kind of structural rejection pushes people into this dark hours of the night, because they limit their presence to the realm of night work, either because they have no other option or, say, support advocacy groups or because they want to benefit from the darkness. Uh, quiet lack of control and surveillance which the night offers. But by and large, migrants choose to basically work at the hours of the night uh, when, when they feel that they're rejected by a society does not recognize this contribution. Although there's one exception, and that's that's during COVID, you know, this misrepresentation of migrants in the tabloid media and political messages, I have to admit, happened differently during COVID because suddenly migrants became useful. You know, they're the essential workers and they're the frontline workers. You know, they're, they're, they're the heroes and the heroines for a brief period, sadly. Could you help us understand just a little bit better? Who are we talking about? A description of, of this workforce, the people, the invisible people, the type of work that these the, this workforce does, because I'm, I'm pretty confident even in the States, we're not as mindful of the breadth and depth of this workforce and the jobs that they're in the industries in which they work. I would say that uh, it's important first to clarify some of the terms here. So, you know, night work as it stands in this current daytime traditional labor system is part of shift work. So it's operating outside of daytime shifts, the nine to fivers, right? And occurs during the regular sleeping hours of the general population. Right, which is this is a sort of a definition by the International Agency for Research on Cancer. Research and studies show that night shift work is occurring during this regular sleeping hours of the general population, including transmeridian travel. So you, you get not only food delivery couriers or, or manual laborers or transport or drivers, whether we're talking about taxi drivers or, or platform workers on, on various platforms. So the hours that these people broadly could be between, uh, time frame is between, say, 11 p.m. and 7 but this obviously differ from uh, legislation to legislation, from country to country. They work at least three hours of their daily working time during nighttime as normal course, or it is likely to work during nighttime a certain proportion of this working time. In the EU, this time frame, as I mentioned, it may depend on the national legislation. So depending also collective agreements and agreements between different industries. But by and large, people working uh, at night are migrants. And in the UK, these are happens to be at the bottom of the labor market in jobs that native like citizens or say people who have a choice to take highly skilled jobs, they, they would not accept uh, the terms of nighttime work. So with that being said, I would like to talk about the UK's nighttime force, you know, okay. uh, and some research about the uh, about the, the 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 people who work and 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 in particular the foreign-born workers on the UK labour market. So, in terms sure. of the size of the workforce, is perhaps right. uh, uh, relevant to say here that. In 2016, a paper shows that, you know, the foreign-born population grew from 2.9 million in 1993 to nearly 7 million in the last 20 years, right? Um, and so <clears throat> the same report uh, two years later, in fact, um, Migrant Observative reports that um, the workers are divided between employees, 36%, self-employed, 48%. And if we take trade union congress reports in the uk we learned that in the uk alone more than one in nine workers 
are part of the nighttime economy, uh, amounting to some 3.25 million people. And London has the country's second largest contingent of night workers. Um, so the kind of uh, work that they do is in care, uh, care work, nurses, you know, midwives, account for a majority of night workers, uh, according to Trade Union Congress report. And I think it's important also to say the type of work uh, force that they you know, the demographic in, in a sense is the information is relevant in terms of, you know, gender, perhaps economic class and country of origin. So as I mentioned, UK's foreign born workers uh, know too well that, you know, this very bottom of the labor market, um, what, what what this feels like really. Yeah? So the highest intake of foreign born migrants are absorbed in the UK's labor market in food manufacturing, 38% residential domestic work, 32% makeup factories, 29%, 29%. And this is again another um, another report from the Migrant Observatory University of Oxford. Situation also um, began uh, changing during COVID again. So, as you know, some more recent uh, figures show that foreign-born count is 15.8%, as much as 15.8% of the workforce. With 18.8% workforce in transport storage, you have health sector, 246 in the information communication sectors. And of course, those hit hard-hit sectors in, in the hospitality uh, were, were uh, feeling uh, the, the, the period, the COVID, the pandemic in, in the hardest way possible because there was no furlough, there's no backup for them. Um, yet the frontline workers were celebrated and that was that was an, a, a momentum. It was, it was an amazing uh, point in, in the history of, um, if you want, uh, of a phenomenon such as the pandemic um, because basically you saw uh, two uh, notions brought together. You have migrant and essential. So migrants actually do essential work for the societies that they chose to live in and contribute to. And um, broadly in the EU, you have uh, another set of figures, which uh, uh, shows that out of the 17% of the European workforce, which I think sums up to almost 200 million workers employed in, in, in the EU, in the 27 countries, 18% um, of those people work the night shift. And also, uh, I think it's also relevant to, to, to uh, for, for, for 24 Hour Nation listeners to uh, talk a bit about the picture in the US. You yourself may be familiar um, with the work uh, done by Anne Louis, an architect founded future firm based in Chicago and uh, Colin and visiting professor at Rice University. I borrow from, from her and her team the, the term of Night Shift Cities. You know, her team of students uh, saw a familiar picture in Houston where they found a similar picture, similar trends that I found in Europe. And that night shift Houston um, is increasingly populated by immigrants who make up one in four Houston residents. You know, just on the just a one stretch of Bel Air Boulevard on the southwest side of Houston, at the highest uh, concentration of night workers in Houston along the number two Bel Air Metro bus line. And this road alone passes through international communities. And she, you know, they, they give uh, they give a list of, of, you know, little Saigon, Chinatown, Galton, representative resident from Chinese, Filipino, Indonesia, Vietnamese, Japan. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what an array of, of, of cultures and, and, and diversity terms. 
2021, she invited me to participate in this exhibition by Exhibit Columbus, uh, alongside the Night Gallery uh, series of events. Right. And and again, Night Gallery is, is a project set up by Future Firm. Uh, wonder whether you have heard about it, but uh, it's an amazing yeah. idea of, of of you know of, of the designer they did the Midnight Palace. Where they they basically design something for the night owls. Yeah, bottom line is that they they decide and and the, the interaction between the you know passersby and and people who wanted to watch my films and and uh, and and other uh, other uh, products that they they compiled and put together. Uh, it's also showing that some of their research shows clearly that the Columbus, for example, is a city of night owls. So you got 39% of the population that works in manufacturing compared to 9% nationwide. So that that's also telling, isn't it? You know, yes. and then you have you have you know second, third shift workers, you have restaurant workers, truckers on I-65, parents of newborn, you know, all these findings. From this 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 team, uh, you know, by by Anne Louis is showing this you know similar trends that I mentioned to you about that I found in Europe. So again, uh, when regards to challenges that they they feel you know in terms of you know health hazards, well, let's you know, talk social. about that. I'm curious how the night workers seem. There are a lot of reports that seem to come out that talk about that the physical challenges of doing work at night. To talk a little bit about that sleep disruption, biological clock. Yeah, perfectly. Let's start with the biological uh, clock uh, because there's there's um, research by Professor Till Ronenberg, University of Munich, which shows uh, and talks about the social jet lags and uh, argues that a great number of people in industrialized societies are growingly tired because of an increasing discrepancy between body clocks and the social clock. So you have the social jet lag. Okay, body so clocks, they use light-dark cycles to synchronize the 24-hour day. Uh, but society manipulates uh, social time, so therefore we need alarm clocks. But the problem grows even bigger uh, because uh, night workers are up all night, right? So these circadian rhythms are meant to regulate our bodily clock are disrupted. So all night, uh, all night workers, you know, many nights per week, many nights a year, as it happened in the study that I've done at New Spitfields Market, you had six nights a week. Uh, being up uh, on shifts between uh, minimum 11 hours to 16 hours, uh, six nights per week. It's, it's a huge uh, pressure that you put on on, on, on the biological clock uh, that causes sleep deficiency problems. And in the long term, it's shown that the, 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 the social jet lag uh, people suffer from are more likely to end up smoking more, drinking alcohol more, and and also um, being belonging to the overweight uh, a portion of the population. So there's also something that I mentioned at the beginning about IARC research. You know, the studies show that staying, uh, staying awake at night, um, basically it's, it's one of those physiological conditions for uh, journal people who are not uh, designed to stay up at night. And this is where the problem grows when we talk about the uh, the situation of night workers because precarity, pre precarious, it right. means first and foremost to, to be up at night while the body is, is actually is screaming to sleep. I use the term precariousness because it defines a, a, a form and a shape or that involves the bodily uh, dimension, not just the work dimensions of precarity alone. So what I mean by that is, is that precarity is somewhat limited in the sense that it only speaks of the work conditions mostly when 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 scholars discuss precarity. But if you add the, the, the bodily dimension, the social dimension, it, it, it actually addresses the subjectivities it's what 
people feel and experience during night work. It's what we mentioned about uh, long working hours, you know, the body, um, the body, you know, these, these night workers, they, they need to hack into their circadian rhythm. The, the need to stay up and alert to work at night is what puts these people onto precarious uh, um, position. And this is what the night worker chart is, is, is trying to address in the way that night workers alone cannot uh, fight the structural problems. Uh, night workers alone cannot address uh, first and foremost because night workers are, are so depleted in terms of biological, physical resources, let alone mental space to organize collectively and, and uh, put some action outside of the workplace. So the night worker charter comes uh, with the main address to, you know, the stakeholders, uh, such as unions. I mean, one, one of the, I, I mainly address the unions in the charter because they have the power. What can businesses do? Your, your interactions with unions, how is that dynamic right now? In, in my view, I, I think there's very little uh, communication when it comes to, to businesses and, and, and labor regulators. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there, there's a gap that needs to be filled, and this is what the Night Worker Charter is trying to address. So, for example, as, as a business, you would need to allow, uh, perhaps take the you know, examples uh, from, uh, from other industries that in the previous um, decades, such as you know the the Austrian metal industry, which they they set up a set of rules in which they in practice would allow someone to make night work to take night work voluntary basis, right? So you you would have to uh, have the consent of the night workers for them to do a night shift. And if they didn't want to do it, there was nothing uh, sort of like dismissals upon refusal if they, they refused to do the night shift for various reasons. Employees had the right to move the day to day, day shifts. Yeah. If they if they care for a close relative, a child under 12 or ill health basis, yeah, they would have this opportunity and could easily go back without uh, fearing the consequences, right? The, the, the right to time for education, for family, retraining, um, regular medical checkups. These are things that could be implemented. These are the things that businesses could look at and address. And this is where I think that, you know, the specific amendments that need to be put into place for night workers, they differ from daytime workers. And I think the gap starts here because we have a daytime traditional system. And when it comes to addressing specific problems of night work, here's the gap because these specific amendments would include more thought, it would include more practicality for those working at night you know think of transport you know transport decreases i know that we have london who's trying to be a 24 7 city and implements you know new uh train lines at night and in terms of underground uh but still that's not enough you know we we need to put more uh more thought into how we design the the cities at night Talk just a little bit about the nighttime charter itself. You drafted this document. Mm -hmm. Individuals can sign it. I'll, I'll give the link here in a little bit. Um, I'll post it along with this podcast. Tell us about the charter. What does your nighttime charter want to achieve? And the first thing starts with uh, awareness. So what what I want with the night shift uh, night uh, night worker charter is to create some sort of awareness among the everyday folk among 
different stakeholders, whether they're nightmares, whether they're nighttime advocates, whatever the frame, whatever the geographical location, Nightworker Charter presents a set of proposals uh, in which, by which uh, it's meant to raise awareness on the problems, specific problems that we've been talking about in Nightwork. It's about addressing the multi-layered precarity. Yeah? We keep it simple and we say precarity in this sense uh, would mean um, if you were a migrant, uh, if you are in a precarious job, if you work at night, and if you're a woman, you're guaranteed to land on the lowest level of precarity. Yeah, the the third and the line of proposals that the night worker charter puts forward is to make night work a standalone form of work. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, that means that uh, we no longer have a system which is designed for daytime work. We have a system which is designed for uh, nighttime. And that means that we need to have different uh, things and a different structure in place. And um, if I were to describe what would be the pushback or what would be the um, difficulty in, in in, in achieving that is the fact that we lack a democratic process that involves night workers in dialogue with all stakeholders. So, you know, governments, labor regulators, employers, you know, there's a need to change. In, uh, um, there's, a, there's a demand here to change in this direction. It would speed up the, the decision-making process and the vital role the night workers have in supporting national economies. And for that to happen, you know, I mentioned nightmares, nighttime advocates. I, I, I think it's really important that we have a night work task force. It's not enough to have a cultural and arts one. We need to have a task force which addresses the problems of those doing the night shift. And a night work task force would address this problem specifically and head on. You know, they would recognize this problem is the first step to the remedy. And, and otherwise, we could circle around the same problems that we had because the system is, is designed for daytime work. I am speaking with Julius Caesar McCrary, PhD. He's a night ethnographer and a migration scholar. He's affiliated with several universities in Europe. You can learn more about him and his work at Night Workshop Project, nightworkshop.myportfolio.com. I'll put these links on our website. Uh, the, the Nightwork Charter that he's talking about to build awareness and gain buy-in so that both organizations and individuals can sign this and say, I am aware of this issue. I would like to elevate this issue so that it's in uh, greater consciousness about the uh, challenges and opportunities here with the Nightwork community. You can see that at nightworkcharter.org. I want to ask you one final question here before I let you go. And it's been delightful to talk to you and fun. I've admired your work for such a long time. Uh, it's been delightful to speak with you. I want to know, is there pushback? You referenced this just a little bit a while ago. Is there pushback or an absence of attention that makes it more difficult to acknowledge the challenges of the night worker? Where, where is it and where does it come from? There's a, there's a gap in, in communication. The focus seems to be on, on how we can increase the economic aspects, the revenue at night time. And I think, for example, nightlife workers, uh, I think they need to be, you know, their needs need to be addressed in a much more direct way. Uh, and I guess this uh, begins with uh, awareness and shift of focus. And by making night work a standalone form of work, 
we would see a future whereby all night workers, nightlife workers, you know, production factory workers, you know, they will work in a safe place. They will earn a decent take home wage. They will work in an environment free of gender division of relations and class relations. And regardless of their citizenship status or family form, that's what the night worker charter is, is, is aiming to do. 24 Hour Nation invites you to sign the Night Worker Charter at nightworkercharter.org. This has been Season 2, Episode 8 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation. Visit us at 24hournation.com and follow us on social media at 24 Hour Nation. My name is Randall White.